0: Hello and welcome to Your Update, the podcast that brings you the inside on
1: Europe from the outside. My name is Alex and I'm Francesca and we're both recent Linguist graduates from the UK. There's nothing like graduating with a languages degree in the same year we leave the European Union and there's a global pandemic preventing travel. So we thought we should put our skills to good use and translate the biggest stories from Europe for you.
0: We will be bringing you updates on the hottest topics in Europe from migration and markets
1: to tennis and TikTok. In today's first ever episode we will be discussing three issues that have dominated the headlines in Europe this week. The spate of terrorist attacks in France, the dramatic rise in migration from West Africa to the Canary Islands and unrest in southern Italy. Francesca has been delving into the French news for us this week. Can you talk me through the events, Francesca? Yes, so France has suffered a string of terror
0: attacks in recent weeks. Three people were stabbed to death in Nice's Notre Dame Basilica on Thursday, the 29th of October. On the same day, a man was shot dead in Montfavet, which is a district of Avignon, after threatening police with a handgun. And then just a couple of weeks before that, French teacher Samuel Paty was beheaded outside a school in a suburb of Paris. Um so this recent string of terror attacks is a source of great concern for, for many French people. I spoke to Olivia, uh, who's a friend of mine who lives in Avignon about how the attack in her city made her and
2: other locals feel. Person moi j' appris pour l' sur Avignon, I live in Avignon not
0: far from where the incident happened And so when I heard about the attack, I wasn't happy at all with the thought of going out. It was also the last day of freedom before a long lockdown. That in itself made me
2: very afraid. I did go out and wasn't that far from the centre. Yes, it's true, the atmosphere has changed a bit.
1: Is there a reason why there have been so many terrorist attacks on French soil in recent years? Well, yeah. So
0: France has um, has suffered more from Islamist terrorism than any other European country in the past decade. Uh, obviously, you all remember the coordinated suicide attacks in Paris in November two thousand and fifteen, which killed one hundred and thirty people, and the shooting at the headquarters of French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo in January two thousand and fifteen. Um, so it's widely believed that France's policy of laïcité, which bans all religious expression in the public sphere, has in part sparked these terror attacks on French soil. There's no doubt that some of the comments President Macron has made have also escalated racial tensions. At the start of September, Charlie Hebdo announced plans to republish caricatures of the prophet Muhammad, um, which would no doubt offend many people within the Muslim community. The president said it wasn't his place to pass judgment on the editorial decision and insisted the country must uphold freedom of expression, but it's worth pointing out that France is home to 6 million Muslims. That's the largest Muslim population in Europe. On the 2nd of October, Macron made a speech suggesting he intended to fight Islamist separatism. Among other things, he said he would place mosques under greater control and require imams
1: to be trained and certified in France. So after saying that, how has President Macron responded to the recent attacks in in the past few weeks?
0: Yeah, so following the beheading of Monsieur Petit, he ordered the temporary closure of a mosque outside Paris. He raided Muslim homes and mosques and he arrested more than a dozen people as part of an investigation targeting Islamist networks. Yeah, the New York Times have actually described it as a crackdown on Muslims, uh, on, on Muslim individuals and groups. Uh, And then in the wake of last week's attacks, um, he said that the country is under attack from Islamist and terrorist madness. He said he would more than double the number of soldiers being deployed to protect places of worship, including churches. Are some Muslims in
1: France unhappy about how the French president is speaking about Islam?
0: Yeah, well, on BBC Radio 4 on Sunday, journalist Nabila Randani said that some Muslims are perceiving Macron's language very negatively. So she said that they believe this kind of military type of language. It sounds as though he's policing all Muslims. It's not just a handful of street criminals and terrorists. She said that many Muslims fear Macron's language is actually leading people to conflate terrorists with the, the vast majority of the Muslim population. And Hasn't the Turkish president also criticized President Macron? Yeah, yeah so I was going to say um, there's actually been a backlash to Macron's behavior across the, the Muslim world. President of Turkey Erdogan actually questioned Macron's mental health and asked what is his problem with Muslims at his party's uh, Justice and Development party meeting. He's also called for a boycott of French goods and you probably heard that France responded to this by recalling its ambassador to Ankara. The spokesperson at the Elysee Palace called this a a very rare move. It's actually not just in Turkey, though, that Macron's actions have caused a stir. So he was described as the demon of Paris on the front page of a very conservative Iranian newspaper last week. And a French flag emblazoned with an image of Macron's face was actually burnt outside the French embassy in Baghdad recently. I asked Olivia about the general feeling among French people towards Macron in the wake of recent events.
2: deja faut savoir en tant que bon Francais nous sommes très critiques. First it's important
0: to know that a good French person is very critical of the president and politicians in general. In any case, there will always be divisions in the country. Politicians are also really important because they really influence public opinion. I would say that at uh, the I moment,
2: that, uh, the, the president is judged uh, on
0: the basis of his management uh, you know, of the health crisis because that's what's at the heart of, the of, the
2: crisis crisis of all the debates.
0: Fact, it's true, of course, that a lot has happened during Macron's presidency. Um, and when assessing his legacy, historians will look at his response to the pandemic, to the Gilets Jaunes, um, a movement which arguably started because of him, and yeah, the fire of Notre Dame. I mean, it seems France hasn't had it easy in recent years. Yeah, but this is something I actually said to Olivia. I said, um, I mean, do French people feel like they've just been victims of bad luck or misfortune in recent years?
2: Um, But she had this to say. Alors, non, je ne pense pas qu'on se sente victime de malchance. En revanche, je pense qu'on se sent impuissant face à ces événements. No, I don't think we're victims of a series of misfortunate events. Honestly, I think these
0: events make us feel powerless. Of course we can say that the atmosphere has changed, notably perhaps because of the terrorist attacks, because we feel less safe. The behaviour of French people has also changed. We feel powerless and as a result, we've had enough, we're rebelling, as has been shown by the the Jules de demonstrations.
2: The events of the past few
0: years have been a a real blow to the voice of French people. I think uh, it's that which uh, has made people uh, rebel uh, more. uh,
2: They're
0: angry. uh, angry. I think that the prevailing uh, atmosphere at the moment is tense and cold. We're distressful because
2: we're afraid. Tendue, un peu uh, un peu froide aussi on est uh, f- on est méfiant aussi on est méfiant et parce qu'on a peur en fait donc uh, voilà
0: and now on to Alex what story has caught your attention in the Spanish press this week?
1: Well, moving away from mainland Europe, I'm going to talk about Las Islas Canarias, which is the Canary Islands. So that's Lanzarote, Fuerteventura, Gran Canaria, Tenerife, and many others. I'm sure some of us, the listeners, have been on holiday to these places. Um, So whilst down next to Africa, these islands are part of Spain and they're also part of the EU. And they've had a busy year. They had Spain's first coronavirus case back in January. Just a week ago, they were singled out from Spain and added to the UK's quarantine free travel list after managing to keep transmission of the virus low. And now, president of the Canaries, Angel Victor Torres says that his biggest challenge is the dramatic reactivation of the migration route from Africa to Europe via the Canary Islands. So they've been experiencing a huge rise in the number of migrants and refugees making the dangerous journey from Africa to their shores. According to the UN's International Organization for Migration, so far this year, 11,000 migrants have arrived at the island, and that's six times more than the total from last year. Oh and the research also shows that in the past year, for every 20 people that reach the Canaries, one person dies, making it the most dangerous route to Europe now. Um, And unfortunately, we are seeing evidence of this danger. Last Saturday, at least 140 people were reported to have drowned when a migrant boat caught fire off Senegal's coast in what the UN is calling the worst shipwreck of 2020. Um, And it's important to acknowledge that this data is obviously not even completely accurate given that there's not much information on the exact location of migrant boats and the disappearance or death of migrants. So there could be more deaths and more disappearances than are reported in these numbers. So, I think what we're trying to understand is why the
0: sudden surge in migration through this route? Also, who are the people risking
1: their lives to try and reach the Canary Islands? Well, firstly, I think it's important to clarify the difference between a migrant and a refugee. A refugee is someone who's been forced to flee their home because of war, violence, or persecution. And if you obtain refugee status, you are protected under certain international laws. A migrant, on the other hand, is someone who is moving from place to place, usually for economic reasons or for seeking better opportunities. Um, And an immigrant is someone who's made a conscious decision to leave their home country and settle permanently in another. Um, But it's also important to emphasise that whilst these sort of labels are attached to to people, and we're talking about large numbers, these are all individual lives as well. Um, But who are we seeing making the route to the Canary Islands? Well, it's a mix of these people. In fact, a, a UN spokesperson, Maria Jesus Vega, says that more than ever, they're seeing a mixed flow, as she calls it, of refugees and migrants. Um, and these include fishermen, shopkeepers, businessmen and women and seasonal workers from West African countries who are um, either fleeing conflict or are looking for, for a better life.
0: Okay, so the fact you're saying um, that they're seeing a mix of people
1: making these dangerous journeys
0: suggests that there's a variety of reasons why this is happening. Is that correct?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, we usually associate refugees, for example, with them fleeing conflicts or persecution. And that is still the case in West Africa. There are people fleeing um, conflicts in Mali, um, for example. But also the impact of coronavirus is definitely a factor in the surge, I think, in migration to the Canary Islands. Um, people living in Senegal and other places have lost their whole livelihoods as a result of this pandemic. Um, the El Pais newspaper in Spain describes a profile of one man who is a fisherman who has lost his entire income after the price of fish plummeted during the pandemic. He said before he could sell a kilo of fish for a hundred, uh, for sorry, for one thousand six hundred West African francs, but now only for three hundred. So he was left with no choice but to try and make this journey to the Canary Islands. But another factor that's being quoted in contributing to this migration route is the fact that there's tightened control in North Africa by Moroccan police forces. And this is actually forcing people to move further south to make a longer, more dangerous route up to the Canary Islands, um, which might seem counterintuitive, the fact that tighter controls and migration is actually, it's causing a, a more dangerous route. Yeah, how has the Spanish government responded to the situation? Well, officially, the Spanish government says they're trying to increase capacity um, for housing people on the Canary Islands, uh, sorry, for housing migrants and refugees, and they have set up centres in recent months to do so. But they also say their priority is to stop people dying at sea. The Spain Secretary of State for Migration, Hannah Haloul, said we don't see migration as a problem at all, we see people dying at sea as a problem and the existence of mafias as a problem. Um, but at the same time, refugee agent- agencies are calling for further action, especially after the um, last the incident last weekend, which saw 140 people die after a boat caught fire off the coast of Senegal. But it is an interesting moment regarding Spain's relationship with these West African countries. Um, In the past there was a so-called la La crisis de los cayucos in 2006 which was when 31,000 migrants arrived in the Canary Islands and after this year the Spanish government collaborated with authorities uh, in West Africa and in trying to prevent this from happening again. But it seems with the sudden upsurge this year that that, that um, negotiations or those collaborations are no longer working as effectively.
0: Yeah, I mean, how does this route you're talking about compare to other routes
1: in Europe? Well, if you compare the number of people who are reaching the port with the number of people who are dying, this is now the most dangerous route to Europe from Africa. Um, In comparison to, for example, the route through the Mediterranean towards Greece or through the Alboran Sea towards the south of Spain, on on this route to the Canaries, one person is dying per 20 that are reaching the islands, according to statistics from the UN's Organization for Migration. and yet, it is unprecedented this year. This, this route has been inactive for some time now, with 2006, as I said, being a crisis in the past. But I think in this year, there's been people sleeping on ports in Gran Canaria and other places due to the vast numbers of people that are making this journey. All right, okay. And now, Francesca's going to take us to Italy. What's been happening there this week? Yeah, so I'm gonna be talking about the um, the protests
0: that have been taking place across Italy in response to the government's harsh new antivirus restrictions. I don't know if you've heard about this. I mean, these protests have been happening in lots of countries across Europe, um, mm-hmm. but they've been really kind of uh, intense in Italy over the past few weeks. Um, it's been estimated that tens of thousands of Italians have turned out to protest through the course of just last week alone. Um, And some of them have been quite violent as well. So in some cities, protesters have been looting shops and throwing stones and petrol bombs at police officers. Um, I think think it's one of the cities, bins have actually been set on
1: fire. Um, So it's been really, really violent. Gosh. And what are the restrictions that Italians are protesting against exactly? So on um,
0: Sunday, the 25th of October, the Italian government, which is led by, Giuseppe Conte, he's the Prime Minister. The government released a new package of measures, which included the closure of all bars and restaurants at 6 p.m. and then the temporary closure of gyms, swimming pools, theatres, cinemas. Um, And they said that these measures would be in place for at least a month. Lots of Italian people are extremely angry about this. Italy's retail and wholesale sector employs nearly 4 million people and accounts for about 15% of jobs. And also contributes about 12% of the country's GDP. So it's, yeah, very damaging.
1: And I guess Italy's economy suffered a great deal from the previous lockdown, like a lot of the world.
0: Yeah, so Italy has forecasted 9% economic contraction for 2020 and a budget deficit equating to 10.8% of its GDP. So you're right, it's already really suffered. And um, these measures have been actually really controversial in the south of Italy. That's actually something I want to talk about a lot in this in this episode because um the south is i mean the north is obviously a country was in recession for for quite a long time but the south is by far more um, or less industrialized than other parts of the country. So it has a lower GDP than both central and Northern Italy. It's economy relies heavily on tourism, on the food industry. So naturally this lockdown is gonna have terrible repercussions on the the livelihoods of people living there. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually asked Luca, who's a, a good friend of mine from Sicily, how his friends have been coping financially over the past seven months. And this is what he had to say.
3: Io ho tanti amici che sono stati colpiti appunto da diciamo questo questa situazione del coronavirus del COVID diciannove in particolare uno che I Amico have lots of friends who have, have been
0: affected, affected by COVID nineteen. I have a friend who works in the ceramics industry, industry in, Calta-Girone, in, Calta-Girone, in Caltagirone, a city in Sicily city that many people call the city of, the city of ceramics. ceramics. He lost his job out of, of the, the blue in, in April, no time this diciamo, year.
3: On, la Sicilia come Caltagirone come diciamo tutte quelle attività piccole come diciamo oh, la ceramica Small businesses in Sicily
0: have seen a reduction in tourism which has reduced the demand for goods, funding consequently has been cut and many people have been made redundant. My friend was directly affected by this sequence of events. So what's even more concerning is that the mafia has actually apparently been taking advantage of this economic crisis in the South. So for some months now, mafiosi in Naples and in parts of Sicily have apparently been distributing food parcels to people in need. And the understanding, of course, when they do this is that these people will pay the mafiosi back in some other form in the, in the future.
1: As, as someone who doesn't speak Italian here, will you clarify for us what mafiosi is? Yeah, so a Mafia is a member basically of um, the Mafia, a
0: member of a Mafia organized crime group. Um, Okay, so that's singular Mafia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a singular member of the Mafia. Um, And yeah, there's no question that the Mafia has strengthened its support base during the pandemic. Lots of helplines that support victims of extortion have received increases in reports in recent months. And this is actually a huge shame, in part because some movements, uh, mostly to be the Addio Pizzo movement, have managed to suppress organised crime groups in southern Italy over the past decade. It looks like their progress um, has already been unravelled by the pandemic and will continue to be unravelled in future months if these antivirus restrictions continue to be um, in action, to
1: be enforced. So you can see why another lockdown would have pretty disastrous implications for southern Italians then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually asked Luca to, to sum up
0: why the southern Italians have been um, protesting so furiously.
3: In Sicilia, periodi, contro, appunto, il,
0: there have been il lots of the protests in Polte, Sicily in, in recent days the against Conte's government and the decree of the President of, 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 of the Council of Ministers, of which in order to protect the health and of the lives Italians, of Italians has of effectively blocked the, the, the country's economy. I don't think, think Sicilians protested for the sake of revoking the, the President of the Council. They are asking for the measures to be
3: They're put into context. They are demanding
0: the implementation of financial policies that will help salvage their economy. There have been lots of protests, especially in the centre of Palermo, Syracuse and Catania. Sicilians have been repeating the saying, if you close us down, you pay us. They wish to stress that the antivirus restrictions will negatively impact their productivity and that measures must be implemented to support their economy. And there've also been um, suggestions that these new measures by the government are extremely controversial because there were hardly any cases when um, lockdown was imposed back in March. So it's a bit frustrating that they had to go through that long period of lockdown um, in back in March when there were, there were very few cases. There's a great deal of tension between the nor- Northerners and Southerners in Italy, or there certainly has been for a very long time, um, ever since really the country unified mm. in the 1860s. And I actually asked Luca about this. I did say, um, "Do you think that there's kind of an increasing hostility towards Northern Italians on the part of Southerners um, because you know they had to go through this lockdown when there were very few cases?" And um, he had quite an interesting response.
3: Okay, sì, sicuramente in passato diciamo uh, si è verificata, però io parlerei di questa ostilità tra il nord e il sud
0: Certainly in the past, this hostility was significant, but nowadays, it's a thing of the past. There are of course people who remain hostile towards the north, but things are slightly different now. And anyway, even if there were some hostility, we Italians understand that at times like this, unity is essential. We must stay together. And the most important thing is the health of the public and the lives of all
3: individuals. Well, you have to wonder
1: whether there's any power parallels with here then with England I mean or even Scotland I mean the the north side that south divide between England right now has been quite clear with Andy Burnham and Boris Johnson yeah no you're right I mean
0: it seems to be quite a common theme in Europe southerners don't like northerners or northerners don't like southerners either way allegedly yeah. of course but regardless I mean even though this these future measures are really controversial in the south of Italy it should be pointed out that um the South really wouldn't be able to take a massive epidemic. I think in mid-June, Campania, which is a region in the South, had about 125 people mainly to be infected with the virus. So that's, you know, an absolutely tiny proportion. But now it has more than 13,000. So numbers really have increased. Um, and they've been saying, you know, if there is a massive, massive outbreak in the scale that there was in Lombardy or Emilia-Romagna, um, the South just wouldn't be able to take it. They don't have enough beds. The um, intensive care units just would not be able to to provide for that number of people. So I think southerners are wary that, you know, measures that are being put in place at the moment
1: are maybe quite useful for them. Well, from one protest to another, there have been similar protests across this weekend in Barcelona, Malaga, Valencia, across cities um, in Spain about similar measures, about curfew being introduced there. However, one positive story to come out of this situation is that yesterday, A group of teenage boys led by one 16-year-old actually came out to clean up the mess caused by these protests, which in the case of this city, La in the small region of La Rioja, um, became quite violent and there was vandalism. um, There was lots of stones and sticks littering the streets. Some bins were set on fire. So these boys have received high praise today from politicians in Spain for coming out and helping clean up the mess, all with their masks on oh that's really sweet that's a bad story have you read any positive news this week francesca yes so um i read a story the other day that there was a
0: couple who um actually locked eyes when performing from their balconies in verona um i don't know if you remember but during lockdown people went out to their balconies to sing um songs at about 6 p.m. and apparently yeah, this one time. Yeah, and a couple, it's Michele and Paula. Um they just kind of locked eyes and fell in love when they are performing uh one of those 6 pm kind of sing-alongs. And yeah, they met in person in the local park uh, in May and their romance has just blossomed from that. And yeah, yeah they're married, lovely. which is crazy. So um yeah they've said that it's they're true.
1: actually in a roof terrace um, what a well. nice story to come out of lockdown. I remember those videos going viral of people singing on their balconies. I remember seeing one in particular um, in Rome. I think someone was on a roof and they had their whole sort of family were a band. There was a guitar and there was a drum. So that's, yeah. that's nice to know that some people have managed to make a connection through this. Yeah, it's so sweet, one positive thing. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our very first episode of your update. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we
0: have. And Be sure to tune in next time for more insider info on what's happening across the channel.